inspiring you to reach your goals and live your dream. And live your dream. This is the Keaton Nelson Show. All right, guys, I got a very special treat for you today. Thank you for tuning into the Keaton Nelson Show. I got Mr. Peter Fournier. Peter, thank you so much for being on the uh, show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm gonna jump right into it. Um, I love to know like where you uh, where you come from, uh, where you grew up. What was it like? You know, with your family life. Um, whether you grew up rich, poor, uh, middle class, and all the things in between, and uh, kind of take me up to how you got to where you are now. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in uh, Northeast New Jersey, Bergen County, like right outside of Manhattan. Uh, right now, I live in North Carolina, but uh, born and raised in North Jersey. Um, I would say uh, we were upper middle class until maybe I was like 12 or 13. Dad lost a corporate job um, and uh, went, you know, probably to middle class at that point. It wasn't terrible. We weren't on food stamps or anything like that. Knocked on wood. Parents did a good job of, uh, you know, keeping a roof over our heads and not having us really want for much. Uh, it did go from like PlayStation to socks and underwear for Christmas. But uh, so that's kind of tough as a 12 or 13 year old kid. <laughs> I bet. But uh, it could have been way worse. Um, so uh, grew up in North Jersey, uh, went to school in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, after that, lived out there for a year after graduation, uh, moved back down to Jersey um, and then uh, moved to North Carolina in April of 2020. Gotcha. What'd you go to school for? Uh, I was going to go for music initially and then switch to uh, marketing and management. Um, just was petrified of the whole music route. I still play drums, guitar, sing every once in a while, uh, but more of a hobby than anything else. So marketing and management, I think I have like some finance and Spanish minor or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I, that's funny. I actually, I did go to school for music. No way. Yeah. Yep. And now I have a marketing company. Uh, guitar. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I went for uh, jazz composition. Wow. I had a, uh, a couple of friends that went to Berkeley for guitar. Uh, a couple of their Carnegie Mellon for guitar. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of friends in the circle uh, that are musicians. I can hold my own, but I am I would have not gotten into school for guitar. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Um, What's this sling it thing? You got slinging on the chair. You got slinging in the the Monopoly man. So I own an insurance agency, uh, National IMO, I guess you would call it. And uh, when I first started in the industry, when I was training agents, a lot a lot of people. I mean, this is insurance, but it's probably every sales sector is everything's like product knowledge, or I want to overanalyze how to say something, or I, I need to know every piece of red tape that you have to go through for an application, whatever the case may be. And I used to tell brand new agents, like, just go out and sling it. You'll figure it out later. Uh, and I wound up trademarking that. And I had the Sling It Playbook, which is how to uh, write you know, a certain amount of life insurance premium uh, in an annual basis. So it just stuck. Um, and uh, yeah. Been my catchphrase ever since. It was probably like eight or nine years ago. <laughs> Very good. Cool. Yeah. Um, so now you're selling life insurance. You can do health insurance. You do all the things. Or yeah, yeah, everything. So we, uh, I own all things insurance group. Uh, we do life, Medicare, ACA, group benefits, anything that's life and health uh, insurance related. We got about 370 brokers across the country and about eight people in a home office over there. <laughs> Calling. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Um, tell me about like what that opportunity is like. Let's say someone's listening to this. Um, let's say either fresh out of college, just you know, trying to get a job or something like that, and not really sure where to go. What's uh, what's the opportunity like for someone to become like an insurance agent? Um, the barrier to entry is very low, uh, <laughs> much like uh, probably a lot of the other testing. Things like real estate agent or whatever, you only need a 70 to pass this vocab test. Uh, so there's a lot of agents running around that are, are pretty terrible. But uh, the opportunity is there, but it's you eat what you kill on a consistent basis. You know, it's a commission sales opportunity and a lot of people are still petrified or uh, they worry what their mom and dad are going to think being a commission salesperson. But I usually tell people first year earning potential is between 80 and 120 if you treat it like a full-time job. Uh, and that's being, you know, 
average. Uh, obviously, you can make like people will oversell you all day long. Oh, you can make 300, 400, 500,000. You can, just like you can probably in a lot of sales jobs. But realistically, six figures is a good benchmark um, to treat as a full time gig. If you are right out of college, uh, like I started when I was 21. So I was actually a senior in college when I got licensed. But if you're in that realm of your early 20s and you're interested in selling anything, it's one of the best careers ever. And you can always go get a W-2 after if it doesn't pan out. It's harder to make that jump when you're 39 and have two kids in the house. You know what I mean? So if you are newly graduated, why not try it? Give it a shot. Yeah. Can you talk about like what's what what the type of commissions are like? Like how does that work? Like I go sell a life insurance package, you know, yeah. a month premium. What's that like? So life life insurance, I would say the average application that you're gonna get is about eighty-five dollars a month or a thousand dollars a year. And starting out as a brand new agent, you'll probably make anywhere between sixty and a hundred percent of the first year's premium. So if it's a thousand dollar app, you'll make between six hundred and a thousand bucks just ballparking starter commissions. Uh, so, I mean, if you're doing 20 presentations a week, which is the basis for a full-time agent, at least in my mind, and you stink, uh, you'll probably close at 30%. You'll close your laydowns, right? Which is three out of 10 or six out of 20. So in that case, that's about $6,000 a week. Even if you're at a lower comp, that's six or seven or 60 or 70%. You know, you could be making $4,000 a week. Now, that's that's gross profit because lead cost has to go into their marketing expenses, maybe the occasional fall off. You got to pay for your car, paper, et cetera. You're a 1099 business owner, which is why usually I'm saying your net net is between that 80 and 120 mark uh, if you're working consistently. Gotcha. That makes sense. It can be exciting and enticing for people. I know a lot of people made a lot of money in, in insurance. Yeah, it's a good gig. And and uh, the the people that do really well with it, like I've been doing it for 12 and a half years. The people that do really well with it, treat it like they're running a company. Even if it's just themselves as a solopreneur, you know, you have ROI trackers and P&L statements. And whether you have the, uh, the financial uh, chutzpah to be able to uh, hire a bookkeeper or you're just tracking it in Excel, uh, you got to know your numbers because eventually years two, three, four, et cetera, you start to optimize what you're paying the most attention to, whether it's life insurance, it's health insurance, it's Medicare, it's annuities, et cetera. And you can start building up a really nice residual base, uh, which is kind of the main reason to get into the business is, yeah, the upfront cash is really good. But after three or four years of doing it, you could have anywhere from fifteen dollars to $25,000 coming in every month without doing anything, just maintaining your client book. So like, that's the dream of coming into the industry, you got to get through the first 18 months though. It's always a bear. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. T tell me, tell me about uh, the things that you guys do for marketing, just out of curiosity for like. Yeah. So uh, the, the classic among the industry, even when I first started has always been direct mail. It's the highest intent lead still, which is kind of weird to think about in this digital age. But if you do break it down, you know, Joe and Mary got this thing in the mail. They read the whole thing. They filled out the postcard in their handwriting. They hobbled over to the mailbox. They stuck it in there. And then it came to you. Like, that's a pretty high intent lead as opposed to clicking on an ad on Facebook. Um, so we still do a ton of direct mail. Uh, we do do Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, all those ads as well. We're also finding a lot of uh, decent traction doing um, SEO leads with like a telemarketing component to it. So basically someone fills out a landing page, someone calls them to verify that they're actually interested and they're not filling out like these nuts or something on their own. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, and then that call gets transferred over to you. So we do some of that. And then we do some traditional TV, especially for the older demographic, advertising during like Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and the uh, Days of Our Lives soap opera. Um, we do some of that too. So it's, it's more of a multifaceted approach. We uh, don't necessarily provide leads for our agents, but we'll generate them at cost for the agent. So that way they don't have to go to, you know, no offense to lead vendors out there because we're all in business to make money, but there's a huge markup in the lead space. So we yep. try to generate as much as we can internally, and then we just pass through that cost to the uh, the agent. So they're not spending a ton 
on the upfront marketing expenses. That's awesome. What's mm-hmm. the what's the like cost per lead look like for you? Um, I I will say a solid higher intent one is probably between thirteen and sixteen bucks. Um, you can get higher. Like we have some agents that run $50, $60 leads, uh, for like mortgage protection or higher ticket items. And then yeah. we have some agents that run four or $5 SEO or landing page leads that we'll call them and not the highest intent, but if you're making 200 dials a day, you're going to close two or three apps. You know what I mean? So you either got time or you got money. But I would say for the average agent, if you're spending between $23 and $2,600 a month on marketing, you're in a decent place to make some, some solid money. The, the ROI perspective is you want to write 10 times what your marketing expense is, and then you're probably averaging between 60 and 70% of that. Uh, th- that's a good benchmark to say, hey, I'm doing pretty well. Gotcha. Yeah, I love breaking this down for people because I don't think a lot of um, especially newer entrepreneurs um, think about this. Mm-hmm. Like the from cost per lead to dollars in your bank account, and what's yeah. all what's the breakdown between there, right? So, um, I love this example that you just brought up. So, like, let's say like the sixteen dollar. We'll say fifteen. It might be a little bit mm-hmm. easier math wise. Fifteen dollars for the direct mail lead. Right, uh, telemarketing, but yeah, yeah, we'll use that one. All right, sure. It's an intent lead, so fifteen bucks. Yeah, fifteen bucks. How many of those do you need to get a presentation? You think? Um, so our breakdown is if you get a hundred of them, okay, uh, that'll that'll last you probably two weeks. So a lot, a lot of our full time agents are doing two hundred telemarketing, quote unquote, leads a month in that category if they're running said lead. So that's going to cost them about. $3,000 a month. Now those are going to break down to a net closing percentage of between 14 and 18%. Do they close so, over the phone or do they? All over the phone, all over the phone. So now if you're like setting an appointment and then going to. Right. One call closes after the telemarketing thing. One call close. Yep. So wow. if you're spending 3,000, let's say you're on the low end at like 12 to 14%. That's 12, that's 24 apps. If your average app size kind of sucks and it's like 720, uh, which is like the national average for like low final expense premium. So call it 700 bucks for easy math. Um, you'd be at like 14, 15,000 in premium. Uh, on the starter comp, let's say you're making 60 to 70% of that, right? So that's about what, seven grand, eight grand, let's say. You spent three, so you net five. So as a starting entrepreneur, that's not bad ROI. Like all your lead gen is obviously going to be a tax write-off, right? Instantly, one of your viewers was like, oh, that's only 60K a year. That sucks. Now, when you do your taxes, you'll get to write off most of that lead expense, your cell phone bill, all that stuff. So your net net will go up. But I don't know many industries where you can like two and a half or three X your uh, marketing investment. Usually the first year, it's like one to one. You want to make more break even dollar to make a dollar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In in this, you know, you're going to two or three X as long as you're putting in the work. The agents that, you know, are complaining or they're like, oh, the leads suck or whatever. You're not making two hundred dollars a day. So as long as you're tracking the activity accordingly, the math is never going to lie to you. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so can anyone in the anyone in the country can come work for you? They want them yes. to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. So right now we're in forty three states. There's a couple that I just don't have agents in, so it's like whatever. It's unnecessary to buy the licenses for. But yeah, you can work anywhere. So we have a couple different opportunities: part time, full time, and uh, LOA. We'll call it, which is more of a captive model. They're in our office here in Wilmington, North Carolina. But uh, I got some stay at home moms that want to make an extra forty grand a year for the household, all the way up to people making four or five hundred thousand dollars because they're killers and they're just on the phone for 50 hours a week or they're in the field or whatever and everywhere in between so i would rather train and mentor more full-time agents but if your prerogatives to bring in an extra 4k a month or a thousand bucks a week or whatever like we'll help you out there's no reason not to yeah very interesting um so you got your license. What was it like for you starting out as an agent? Oh, God, terrible. Uh, so my my two fraternity brothers got me into it. The, the My big, 
was working at ING Financial and I got a little internship there and then I decided I wanted to sell. So my other fraternity brother was like, oh, I'm at Northwestern Mutual, come over here. And I was like, man, I'm a way better salesperson than you. I'm going to crush this shit, right? I did not crush it. First of <laughs> all, it, it was, there were no leads at all. We had to write down 200 to 250 people that we knew. And that was like our project 200 or some shit. Oh, and then we went into the office on a Monday and they were like, okay, now call those people and sell them insurance. And you were like, and they're like, just do it. Just ask for an appointment. I was like, holy hell. Plus the, the comp was way lower. It was just not a great opportunity. Uh, at least it got me licensed and they paid for that, but whatever. So then I went to another captive because they provided leads. And I was like, oh my God, free leads. Wow, I'm going to rip it. And then free leads come at a cost too, like crappy comp or crappy products or whatever, right? So I eventually went independent in 2012. Uh, so about two, two and a half years after I first got my license. And uh, I was really good at selling the dream because like you, you see these people and they got these big teams and they're making shit tons of money. So I was like, oh, I can recruit. I could sell anybody anything. So I built this massive team selling the dream, but I wasn't living the dream myself. <laughs> and so I wasn't teaching these people appropriately. So uh, as a manager in the insurance space, if I hire you, let's say, and you write a bunch of applications on your buddies and you get paid all this commission and then you leave the industry and all your buddies cancel, I'm on the hook as your manager for that commission. So that happened to me at 23 years old. I got smacked in the face with almost $50,000 of what we call roll-up debt. So the carriers come calling for the commission. And I was like, holy oh, shit. Got it. Because people cancel yeah. their policy or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a couple of people that were terrible agents. I had a couple of people that did it maliciously, just wanted to take advances and leave. So me being in student loan debt, I had a mortgage at the time, this 50,000, like I was probably 120 grand in debt. So I moved back in with my parents uh, in New Jersey. They let me live in the basement and it took me about 18 months to get out of that. So talk about all the positives of the industry. There are some red flags to look out for. And one of them is the whole recruiting aspect. You really need to know what the hell you're doing before you can lead somebody else. You know? Gotcha. So when did you start figuring it out? Uh, realistically, like 2016, 2017. I, I, sometimes on podcasts or interviews or whatever, I say like I'm a seven-year overnight success story. I've been doing it for 12 and a half, but I really started making some serious money uh, probably around 2016. So given that, you know, some, a lot of salespeople or entrepreneurs are looking like 90 days in front of their face. It really took me six years yeah. Well, why'd you stick with it, man? Like what, what, why'd you just say like, this isn't working? I, well, to get in at all that debt, I took a W2 job while I was selling. Like I just knew like there were so many dummies that I could see making millions of dollars in this friggin' industry. Like, why can't I do it? So there's gotta be a reason uh, that that's happening. And and really, the only way to dig you, yourself out of financial struggle is to put yourself on your own back and go do it. You can't dig your way out by taking a job at Harris Teeter or whatever. You know what I mean? You're, you're yeah. never going to get out of it. So commission sales was the only way. So I just buried my head in it and uh, eventually came out of it okay. I started getting... I started making decent money in 2014, but like I used the threshold of like 250, 275 is starting to make really solid money, especially in sales. So that started to happen around 2016. What do you think clicked between 2014 and 2016 that doesn't click for other people? Um, I got out of my own head from a negativity standpoint. You know, you're in the hole and don't have a pot to piss in for 18 months. Uh, you get really negative. Um, so even still, digging my way out of that debt and having a net positive in my bank account, I was still running scared for at least like two more years. I wasn't investing in myself or treating it like a business. I wasn't acting like the CEO of myself, even though I was a solopreneur. Um, I had limited mindsets of like, hey, I really need to invest in leads this week. Or it was like, oh, I had a huge week. I want to hoard all that commission, stuff of that nature where you're not in that growth mentality um, and you're just running scared and trying to keep every dime in, 
once I started to really spend money on my business, whether it was me or I started to bring on agents again, uh, I saw a huge return. Um, so you got to be okay to let it out for it to come back five or tenfold. And it took me a long time to, to realize that. I also, uh, I don't know your feelings about Grant Cardone, but I paid $10,000 to then fly to Miami to spend an hour with him. Now I think it's like a hundred or something crazy. Yeah. So I got a deal. But uh, I, I asked my girlfriend, now wife at the time, I was like, I'm going to do this. And she was like, are you nuts? And I was like, maybe, I don't know. So I went down and, you know, he told me some stuff that I already knew, but it was nice to hear from somebody making $100 million a year that I was kind of on the right track and to not be a little biggity bitch, if you will. Um, And that really flipped my mind a little bit uh, towards the positive of like, don't think about this as scarcity. If you go and spend five grand on something, you know, you're going to make it back. Like, don't worry about it. And if not, at least you wasted the five grand to know that XYZ doesn't work. So it was a very cheap learning experience. You know what I mean? So as soon as that flip mentality-wise, um, we we saw some explosive growth. Mm. Very cool. Um, let me pull up some of my questions here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got some good ones. Um, what's, what's life really like right now for you after going through all this? Uh, it's pretty good. Um, I was talking to someone the other day about like, you know, is there that much dream money or whatever in the insurance space? She was in the industry for like maybe 15 months. So she's not really feeling it yet. And I, I like to think that I'm making other people's dream money right now. Uh, but not necessarily my own because I got some big ass lofty goals. Uh, but life could definitely be worse. Uh, we opened a, an office location here in Wilmington in February, brick and mortar. Um, I got 370 agents across the country making decent money. I just had a baby, which is always fun. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, awesome. Built a brand new house in July of 2021. Um, we're about three, four miles from the beach. Um, so yeah, it's I can't complain. Uh, do I always want more? Absolutely. That's why I got vision boards all over my office. But um yeah it's pretty good (laughs) that's great man that's good for you that's great thanks um so you talked about the future what's the plans what's the dreams the fantasies the goals for the future for you so i want um i know i can make a million dollars a year plus on my own pen but i really want to see other people succeed in the industry which is why uh, in 2017 i developed a coaching program I wrote a couple books on selling insurance, et cetera. So one of my main goals is to have a thousand agents, uh, part of all things insurance group, but that thousand making over a hundred thousand dollars a year each. So it's not that I want this giant recruiting machine. Um, I want to help a thousand people achieve some sort of financial success. And I feel like that starts at least at six figures. So that's one of my main goals that I write down every day. And that's on a couple of my vision boards is thousand agents making a hundred K. And if I could get them to do that, I'll be fine. You know what I mean? Uh, Cause we make a little percentage of whatever they do. Uh, so that's one of the main ones. Uh, another one is to open up a couple more locations before the end of 2024. Um, I'm a big watch freak. Uh, so I have some crazy multi six figure watches on the vision board uh, to get at some point in time in the next two to three years. Um, but those are just a couple. For fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Um, do you, do you happen to know JP Cush? No, no. Also in the insurance space or? He just, he just sold, he had a seven figure exit from his, nice. just had his own selling his, uh, nice. I think it was health insurance. Yeah. The multiplier on health is way bigger than life, which is why we, you know, uh, don't cannibalize your business. Don't don't trade health for life, but add. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's one of my goals. So I'm 34 now. My goal is to be 41 uh, and get a 55 to $60 million offer is my number right now. Hopefully, it continues to go up. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to be uh, 20 years and out myself, which to your point, bringing that up, if you're looking at the insurance space, it's one of the only ones that you can actually exit like that pretty easily there's a lot of private equity there's a lot of other companies agencies i'm looking at purchasing agencies myself 
Um, so that's a pretty good retirement proposition of, hey, you can get four, five, seven, twelve X, whatever your revenue or EBITDA is, and say, see ya, uh, and ride off into the sunset. Yeah, those multipliers are crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah nuts. Um, let's talk about leadership. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think like the top three traits every leader needs to have? Um, empathy. Uh, one, because even though I will uh, definitely give you a kick in the ass because I'm kind of a no excuse type person, I have been in their shoes. I've been broke. I've been ramen noodles. I've been all that shit. And I think a lot of people, both in the insurance space and you see these entrepreneurs making hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever, uh, a lot of them tend to lose that. Uh, so I always try to make sure I'm taking a little piece of humble pie on a, a daily or weekly basis and remember the pain that it felt to be maybe in their shoes mm-hmm. uh, and never lose sight of that. So I think empathy is is one. Um, being in the trenches with your people is definitely number two, if not maybe number one. Um, I'm still selling like myself. Uh, now, I sell a bigger ticket item or a larger life policy or I'm selling big groups, health insurance. Uh, Because I had the expertise to be able to do that. But I still think it's very important. One, from a respect standpoint, you know, these guys see me selling on a daily basis. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to listen to Pete because he knows what he's doing and he's actually making it happen on his own pen, right? The other thing is not just from a respect standpoint, but it's to stay relevant. Like a lot of the people when I first started in the industry, they were making millions of dollars. They had huge downlines, but like I, I went in the field with some of these people and they couldn't close a door because they haven't called a lead in eight years. They're just preaching from their ivory tower, um, which is nuts. So I always wanted to be in the trenches with my people. Um, and then I think third is being nimble enough to constantly evolve. This comes maybe from the humble thing too, but Like I'm never thinking constantly that I have it all figured out. I constantly have to adapt to our industry changing. I have to learn new things to be able to then pass that along to our agency, because if I don't know the answer, they sure as hell aren't going to know the answer. Um, So I think uh, having the ability to swallow your pride on a quarterly basis sometimes and have to pivot to new laws new marketing restrictions, new products, and not do the same damn thing every month, year, decade, et cetera. Mm. You have bad days still? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the time. Yes, my wife, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the, uh, the, the bad days are, are fewer and far between, or they're me more complaining than actually having a bad day. You know, I I remember my credit card getting declined at like KFC. That's a bad day. You know, uh, someone not closing a deal at 3 p.m. Like I might be like, oh, idiot. But like, it's gone, you know, fleeting memory. Um, I still harp on some stuff. Sometimes I, I, in full transparency, I play the comparison game every once in a while. It's one of my biggest flaws of being like, well, I'm 34. He's 29. He's got 40 times what I do. What the f- am I doing? You know, kind of thing. And uh, I- I'm a firm believer of like the secret law of attraction, power of positivity, et cetera. That's kind of uh, one of the books and movies that got me out of all that debt too. I watched it and listened to it like every single day. Um, so trying to remember that and constantly circle back, even, you know, something so small as like stubbing your toe in the morning and not letting it affect the rest of your day or being late in traffic or whatever the case may be. Uh, So yeah, I'm definitely far from perfect, but try to eliminate those, those negative thoughts uh, as much as humanly possible. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I'm big into that stuff too. So I'm with you. Love it. Uh, What's something in a good way that scares the crap out of you? Oh man. Fear of never going backwards is absolutely friggin' terrifying. So like, I never want to be in that state, especially because I have so much more riding on me than I did when I was 23. I got a baby and a wife. I got a house. I got an office. I got employees. Like there's a lot of pressure to continually maintain whatever you're doing or keep progressing. So, uh, scares the shit out of me to lose it all, which is why I probably never will. 
knock on wood, yeah. uh, because I won't let it happen ever again. I screwed up once royally. Um, and the whole goal is to never let that happen again. So that's scary. I've always, uh, I've also been the proponent and my dad's taught me a lot of stuff business acumen wise, even though he was in corporate America, but like watching him lose his gig where he's making three or $400,000 a year. And they were like, all right, see you. We're downsizing. Terrifying. So I always wanted to be, um, I always wanted to have my micro economy never affected by the macro that's going on. Like all this negativity happening in the country and like, oh my God, interest rates, blah, blah. Yeah, it all sucks, but it's cyclical. And you got to remember like you're in control of your own money. Nobody else is. So uh, just remember remembering that and not letting like all the fear monger bullshit get into your head on a daily basis. Mm. Great stuff, man. Uh, on that topic, how do you overcome your fears? Um, I mean, not maybe not with that, but like, yeah, yeah. Remembering that this is going to come off so cocky, but I don't really care. Remembering that I'm the shit at what I do. Like, I know I'm probably one of the best insurance salespeople on the planet. If everything burnt down tomorrow, if there's still people that need insurance, health, life, doesn't matter. I'll go figure it out and make it all back. So um, having the uh, confidence to not have to rely, even though I love my agents and I want to build this massive company, if God forbid, all of them were like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to underwater basket weave for a living. It would suck, <laughs> but it would only suck temporarily. And I could go still make it myself. So just being confident in your own skill set um, I think m- makes the fear completely dissipate. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree. Like once you figure out how to make money, it's like, Oh, I, I could lose everything and just go make more money. Like, yeah. And like, I don't want to like, no, of course not. I don't want to have that story again. You know what I mean? No, but, no. Like as it's happening, I, like I said before, I'm a huge watch guy, right? And I got uh, this Hublot a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I remember like going into a store in Hoboken seven, eight years ago, right? When my girlfriend at the time, now wife, lived there. And I would try on these watches, maybe like $25,000, $30,000. And I'm like, who the fuck? Like how? There's no way. Now, now I got like 11 of them. So to your point, like you, 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 once you start on that cycle, like, oh, I can make $2,000 a week. Well, now that's your bottom. You're never going to hit below that ever again. Oh, I can make $3,000 a week. That's my bottom. I'm never going to hit there ever again. 5,000, et cetera. And you start really developing that law of never going backwards. You know? It's really, really good. Uh, you get to talk to anyone dead or alive and you only get to ask them one question. What are you going to ask them and what do you think their answer will be? Oh, man. Good question. Um, hmm, dead or alive. I'm going to say. Hmm, I'm going to say I'm a big Robin Williams fan and it like devastated me when that whole thing occurred um but i think i would ask him what his motivation was throughout his life because like he i would read stories that he would do movies for like 10 grand after a while or whatever like i think there's a story if he did aladdin like genie for like fifty thousand dollars because like he wanted to leave something to his kids that was like an animated movie so, like, what is your thought process or motivation to keep going after you achieve everything? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you win Oscars, you win Emmys, everybody loves you, you got more money than God. Like, what's the motivation to keep working at that point? Because, I mean, realistically, I, I'm not perfect. If someone handed me $150 million, I might have to be like, do I really want to do anything ever again? Like, right, you know, seriously. Yeah. 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 So what, what, what kept propelling you to go forward after you hit such a peak of success would be really interesting to hear the answer. Yeah. Interesting. 
What, what do you think he'd say? He'd probably say because it's fun. I don't know. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. I guess yeah. you ask if you knew the, the answer. Yeah. Uh, what's the favorite place on earth you've ever been to? Oh, man. I love Maui. I love it so much. Um, I think it's one of the most, like, pe- even though Maui, someone's going to be like, well, Oahu's much more peaceful. Shut <laughs> up. I, I like the combination of, like, you're on a beach and it's gorgeous and amazing, but they still have, like, a Rolex store and you can still go do stuff. You know, I want that dichotomy. But I think Hawaii in general, whatever island you're going to, is one of the most beautiful places ever. I've been to every state, which is a little fun fact, um, but not too much abroad. I would like to do a little bit more of that. Um, I've been to France once, uh, like the Bahamas and stuff. Not too much of Europe or Asia or anything like that. But uh, for right now, of all the places I've been, Hawaii is awesome. I don't think I want to live there because I would never do anything ever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is pretty sick. Yeah, that's cool. All righty. Top three things on your bucket list. Oh, man. Um, top three things on my bucket list. Uh, I want to be in a Broadway show. Do you really? Really bad. Like my whole goal is to sell for 50, 60, 70 million, whatever it is. And then I'm just going to audition for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love it. I'm a musical theater junkie. And if I could cross a Broadway stage, that would be awesome. Uh, even if it's for a short time. So uh, that would be one. Uh, number two, I would love to be in a room. So this is kind of narcissistic, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I would love to be in a room somewhere, cocktail party, dinner, whatever. And someone brings up something that I did that changed their life or someone that's related to them lives. And I just listen. I don't, I don't say anything. I'm not like, that was me. It was just like, oh, I did this widget or I took this course or whatever. And it made me hundreds of millions of dollars. I just want to hear that happen and know it was from me. Um, and number three, really small and maybe insignificant. I could probably do it whenever I want is uh, I think I want to skydive at least one time. Hmm. I want to feel the thrill. Uh, I was always a wuss as a little kid with roller coasters and stuff like that. And then just try to break my habit to like impress girls in high school and uh, eventually liked riding rides. Went bungee jumping one time, would never do that again. Uh, <laughs> you want to try skydiving one time. Cool, man. Skydiving. Mm-hmm. I would, uh, as of right now, I don't, I wouldn't do it. I, I, <laughs> I have, it's so weird. Like most people say, like it's like a one in a million chance or however the, the oh, yeah. I know like five people like broke their back from skydiving. I'm like, I know too many people that I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah like, personally, no. I'm like, hmm. That's like, yeah. Flying is the safest form of travel, but every once in a while I'm sitting <laughs> on a plane and I'm like, why am I freaking out right now? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Definitely. <laughs> um, the other ones are interesting too. I like, I think you'd be surprised how quickly the second one will happen. Yeah. You know, that would be cool. That would be I, cool. I mean, I can just imagine like you you got a thousand agents. You guys are having like, you know, a celebration or cocktail party, retreat, something or the other. Someone's not gonna know you're the owner. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that'll probably yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um the Broadway one threw me for a loop. I know you're a musician, but I was just like, what? D- does your team know about that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got some videos deep in the Instagram, YouTube world of like me being <laughs> rent and stuff like that. But, uh, I, yeah, when I first graduated college, uh, I did a couple shows like locally, like community theater or whatever. And, uh, I went into the city cause I was so close and I auditioned for like everything I could possibly think of. And I uh, got a couple callbacks, which was like a super cool experience. Uh, mainly cause I probably didn't need the gig either. So I feel bad for like some of the people that, uh, or like, oh my God, God, I hope I get it, you know? Um, but I think that would be a cool experience to like not need it uh, going forward because you sold for XYZ and then just practice my chops and see what happens. And by that time, I could probably be on every dad in every show. So we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> that's great, man. I think that's really cool. Thanks. Um, what's one book you believe everyone should read and why? Uh, I mentioned The Secret already. Um, I think that's one of the most important ones of my entire life. Um, and Have you, have you read Thinking Grow Rich? Is it different? I have. I have. Um, 
Think and Grow Rich, not going to lie, I've read it probably four or five times. Yeah. Not easy to get through. No. It's not. it's not something uh, I look forward to going to read again. Yeah. And I have like really severe ADHD, like to read something for whatever. So I found myself reading like page 17, like 15 times. And I was like, what the hell am I reading? Right. Uh, if anybody wants to, I would think the uh, audio book and Napoleon Hill, I think actually um, recites one of them or something like oh, that. Really? Uh, it is better, but uh, the secret's m- way more free form, I think. And it's also more like someone that's a sociology major could get through the secret and still apply to their life, where immediately they're like, oh, think and grow rich. I just want to save the owls. You know, I don't want to deal with this. So, um, yeah. law of attraction, I think, uh, can apply more uh, throughout your life. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Another one that was huge for me, uh, and this is more recent, was Big Money Energy by Ryan Serhant. Uh, he's the one of the top real estate agents in the country on Bravo and stuff like that. Um, I thought he like never slept based on like the amount of work he does on a daily basis, but he does a really good job in the book of like segment your calendar into 15 minute increments. Like you can get so much done in the 15 minutes. If someone wants to have a meeting with you, 15 minutes max. If your mom wants to call mm-hmm. you and talk about the baby, 15 minutes max. And you're so surprised. I love how, that. That's awesome. Yeah, how optimized your day is. Because if you set an hour meeting with somebody, like the first 10 minutes is usually just horse shit anyway. Um, so he was like, as soon as I started doing that, my day was jam-packed. I got so much done. And I'd be at the end of the day like, oh, my God, I have nothing to do tomorrow. You know, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I got to do that because I'm. It's one of my biggest struggles. Yeah, like, you got all this stuff to do, and I'm on meetings all day long. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Or I used to set aside time, like in my calendar, like to prioritize, like lunch or whatever. Man, I eat so fast. I can set lunch for nine minutes. Right. If I thought about it, you know what I mean. So yeah. you're 45 minutes on your calendar, like what a waste. Then you're just sitting there scrolling through TikTok or whatever. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, big money energy. Tell, tell me about the secret, though. Is it is it like practical stuff, or are they telling a story? What, what do they do with it? Yeah, it's it's uh, the power of positive thinking, and it's basically that you attract your thoughts become things. So if you're thinking about all the debt that you're in, um, the universe does not know the difference between a positive thought and a negative thought. It just hears debt. So if you keep thinking about it habitually, you're going to keep and remain in debt. Now, if you think about getting checks or how easily money comes to you on a daily basis, obviously you have to do the applicable activity. You can't just sit on your couch eating bonbons being like, I wanna be rich. Um, but you will, your body and your mind will lead more towards the money-making activity when you're thinking about, hey, money comes easily and frequently to me. Um, same thing like trying on watches, going to test drive that car, um, going to a million dollar open house for a a home that you may want. As you touch and start to feel things, you'll achieve them much faster than if you're, you know, not worried about or being focused on it. So vision boards, writing down your goals, uh, going to touch things that are materialistically interesting to you, watches, Louis Vuitton bags, whatever. Um, And eventually you'll get them. The craziest one uh, from personal experience was uh, I'm a big Brad Lee fan too. Yeah. Um, okay. And I've been uh, listening to Dropping Bombs since it first came out. And I wrote one of my goals down for probably 12 to 15 months. I'm going to be on Dropping Bombs. I'm going to be on Dropping Bombs. I want to be a guest. I want to be a guest. I want to be a guest. And in 2019, I was on. So it took years. Yeah. But in 2019, I was on. And in 2020, I was on. So like that, that little thing of being focused on it, eventually the universe was like, ask and you shall receive. And obviously I had to put in the work and the content and whatever to get there, but eventually it just happened. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, and yeah, it's awesome how those things happen and, and sticking with it long enough until it happens, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, this is where I kind of wrap things up a little bit, but I... I always like to ask a few uh, questions at the end. Sure. um, If you could go back in time and tell yourself three sentences, right? So here's a scenario. You go back in time 
you can go to any age to talk to yourself. But when you go back to that age or whatever, you're you now, you know it's you back then, and then you can only say three sentences to yourself and then you disappear. What age are you going back to? What are the three sentences you're going to tell yourself? I go back, I think I go back to 22, at Oct- October of 2012 uh, is when all that debt hit me all at once. Uh, and I would probably tell myself, don't turn into a terrible person, stay positive, And this experience will only last a very short time. Because even though it felt like forever, 18 months is a long time when you're in it. Yeah. Looking back, 18 months out of 12 and a half years, not that long. Um, and like, I wasn't a nice person. I was uh, a degenerate. I was drinking all the time or sleeping until two o'clock in the afternoon because like, I didn't care. I was like, I'm fucked anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, so as soon as that happened, don't worry about it. Don't be a negative person. Stay positive, And this will only last a very short time. Mm, that's awesome. Uh, it's, I'll be a little vulnerable on here right now. I took out a lot of short-term yeah. debt on my business, like an idiot last sure. week. Mm-hmm. And just word to the wise, right? Like, don't do it, <laughs> number one. But um, I'm paying $8,000 plus a month that could all be profit. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the heck am I doing? You know? Um, yeah. And it's just, so I'm feeling that burden. Of like, actually, it's been like the past three months. Yeah. A little haircut in Q1 and as far as some clients dipping off and, and everything, I'm like, geez, this is really tough. And it feels like it's yeah. like two days like rougher and rougher and rougher. And I'm like, just stay positive, just stay positive. Just, you know, I'm battling with myself day in, day out. So, um, and it's like no coincidence that I'm having this conversation with you and you're talking about, uh, but I had that thought this morning. I'm like, when I'm 40, I'm going to look back at this and be like, that was nothing. Not a big deal. <laughs> that was nothing. No. Yeah. No. I will tell you one thing too. Like I, I can't stand Dave Ramsey with his like savings program and stuff. I think he keeps poor people poorer. I, agree. Um, yeah. I, I will tell you, you can't get out of debt by like not going to Starbucks. I, I firmly believe that. Well, yeah. what's a five dollar coffee going to do in the grand scheme of things? I think it's stupid. However, I did start to punish myself more um, towards the latter half of that eighteen months by. I was making grilled cheese sandwiches and getting tomato soup from Campbell's and eating ramen noodles. And like, I probably did that for like three or four months because I thought mentality wise, I was like, it's not going to do anything to me. I'm still going to get my Dunkin' Donuts. I'm still going to go to the movies. I'm still going to put on a credit card and whatever. I'll figure it out. But for the short amount of time, two to three months, not a, not uh, a big chunk of time out of that 18 months, Punishing myself forced me to work harder so that way I was never not going to go to Starbucks or Dunkin' ever again. Or I didn't want to touch a ramen noodle for the rest of my life. So it wasn't so much a, uh, hey, I'm going to save my way out of the debt. But being that low, at least to me, uh, forced me to get out of it faster. So you could also do that. Be like, hey, if you know, you're, you're... whatever the hell, spending money on coffee or going to movies or, no. you know, I got to cancel my Netflix for a month. That's not going to do anything for your $8,000 bill, but no. it'll, it'll punch you in the throat a little bit and be yes. like, oh, I'm getting out of it. Right. Right. I I just did a big expense cut literally today. It's nice. And then it's like, man, you just got to do it. Like, like I said, it's, it will affect it a little bit. But yeah. it's it's not enough to 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 take care of the whole thing right now and then. But like, yeah, it's um that's great great advice because you're right. I'm like I ain't dealing with this ever again. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, what can, what do you think you can do to help the listeners here? Like, what what what's your superpower? Um, I would say based on your audience and obviously the subject matter and stuff like that. If you are trying to start something, whether it be a side hustle or like you want to get in the insurance space or you want to be a realtor or whatever, 
Um, even though sometimes there's some age uh, restrictions or like, you, you know, you got seven kids, it's hard to give up your W-2 salary, whatever. Just know that you can like always go backwards if you really wanted to. It's like the easiest thing on the planet to go get another W-2 job that pays you $65,000 a year or to go. And like, I know you can have naysayers or be like, well, I really like my gig, but I want to try this other thing. Just try it. Do it for like a year. And if it sucks, go back. But I promise if you put, if you treat it like a full-time job, like you are working 45 hours, 50 hours a week, or maybe you're trying to start an in-home business, factor in your commute that you used to have and now work 50 hours a week, whatever it is, I promise nine out of 10 of you won't go backwards, but just know that it's there. Like you, you can get a job anywhere. LinkedIn is flooded with jobs all the time. Uh, so don't necessarily worry about taking the plunge because I deal with it on a daily basis from a recruiting standpoint. Oh man, Pete, I saw you speak at a conference. I really want to come work for you, but I need to make at least $40,000 a year. No, you don't. <laughs> Because if you took this gig and you treated it like you treat your $40,000 a year job, you're probably going to make a buck 20. And you know what? If you don't, you can go back and work at the supermarket. It doesn't matter. So take the plunge. Believe in yourself because even if you fail, you can always do the other thing. Woo. That was your season. Oh, yeah. Feel that. Oh, man. Awesome, man. So where can people follow you? You guys want to go check this guy uh, yeah, at Peter J. Fournier, pretty much everywhere. Peter J. F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R, uh, Instagram, Facebook. I manage my own social, so if you DM me or ask me a question, I'll probably respond. Uh, YouTube, TikTok, basically anything, at Peter J. Fournier. Cool. We'll link it up in the description and everything for these guys. Um, and if you're still here, you've been listening for about like 50 minutes, I really appreciate you. You must have stuck around for a reason. Uh, please share this one out. Get it out to a bunch of people. Even if it wasn't for you, there's probably like 10 people you know that this could be super, super helpful for. So please go ahead and do that. Give us a little rating. And Peter, thank you so much for being on the show. It was super helpful for me. Hopefully the listeners got a great uh, deal of value out of it as well. So thank you, man. Appreciate it so much, Keaton. Thanks for having me. Got it. Next time. Peace.